Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Good day to you. Sorry that we're late. Yeah, a bit, but it's okay. But it's okay. Thank you all so much for your gorgeous messages about the fact that we didn't have an episode on Sunday. It was much appreciated at the time and still is appreciated. So thank you. But we're back and we'll be back as normal on Sunday as well. So from here on in, it will be normal scheduling will be resumed. Are you ready to say thank you to our Patreon pledgers? always ready to say thank you to people. I would like to thank Jim Penson. I'd like to thank Finn. And I would like to thank Deborah Coleman. Deborah Coleman. Thank you for subscribing to our Patreon and pledging money monthly to help us run our podcast and to get extra content. Right now, we're sitting in front of two brand new pop guards. Pop, 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 pop. pop, very exciting. So you shouldn't have been able to hear any of those pops because it guards against them. My sister was like, please stop drinking on the podcast. Please stop. The gulping noises make me sick. So we had to adjust our ways as Dan takes a drink (laughs) quietly in the background. (laughs) Our review this week is Open House. It was released in 2018. It has fucking hell... 3.3 3.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a massive 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Yeah, go for it. Following a tragedy, a mother and her teen son move to a relative's vacation home where eerie and unexplained forces conspire against them. That's the synopsis. That's the, that's the sum of it. So I would like... <laughs> I just, This film was fucking awful. Can you give your thoughts on this film, please? It was a dumb movie, a really dumb movie. Why was it a dumb movie? You were really angry about it after, I just didn't, after I just, it finished. I, I just didn't get the point of it. Like, I'm normally really easily pleased with movies, as you probably know, but this one I just didn't see the point of. I just didn't get it. It was a home, I think it was supposed to be a home invasion movie. Yeah, and just just so you know, in this review, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, because I don't recommend that anybody fucking watch this film, because <laughs> it was a waste of fucking time. So there's going to be spoilers, sorry, but it was awful. So the, the premise was that they these people had a tragedy in their lives and they moved to this vacation home and then they had an open house because they were trying to sell the house. and The house so, wasn't theirs to begin with. Yeah, so they were, there was an open house and they were trying to sell it and then weird stuff was happening and they didn't know whether it was like somebody was in the house or whatever. But the problem with the film is that the open house was weirdly irrelevant because stuff was happening before the open house anyway. So I yeah. don't understand why having an open house was a big thing. No, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. I don't know what it was trying to do. There was like, you never see who's in the house anyway and who causes them all the issues, which really annoyed me because that potentially means they're thinking about a sequel. Please don't make another one. Don't make films. a sequel. Don't if you're, if anybody from Netflix is listening to this, do not make a sequel for this film. It was awful. A waste of time and money, really. The Yeah, I don't know. There was two things going on. You had the home invasion storyline, but obviously the poor kid is having flashbacks about his dead father as well. Yeah. But they're not related because no, it's not completely. a paranormal movie. I thought... For I don't the know longest... what it is. I don't, I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't and then get... randomly there's a little neighbour with Alzheimer's who is admittedly quite freaky. Yeah. But she doesn't come into play then there's again. There's like three things. I think they're trying to like insinuate that it might be something other than a home invasion film but they don't do anything not sufficient enough with the other two sort of things that it could be to make it worthwhile. Like it's just... It's always... From the start it just feels like what it was supposed to be. I don't know whether they're trying to be clever it's just frustrating. The kid's not a very good actor. It, the guy who's in it is Clay from Thirteen Reasons Why, and I don't. I need. I meant to look up his name, and I forgot. But they, it was. Do you know what? As well, it was a really badly made film. It wasn't even that. It was a bad film in terms of script, but actually, it was badly made. So they had like in the beginning, there was this really intense close up of him taking out his contact lenses, which made me feel really funny. 
And then there wasn't really that much... Like, I know at the end that Home Invader took out his contact lenses at one point. Yeah, but we but don't was, even see any vision from his eyes. So it no, makes it was no all, difference to it us. It was as all a really pointless. And then there was another bit where um, he's out in the woods, Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. I can't even remember his name in the film. I genuinely don't remember his name because no. that's how terrible it was. He's out in the woods and there's like really intense music and a really big zoomed in close up of him. But nothing happened. I think the fact that we don't remember his name is an even more indicator of how bad this film is because there is about five minutes of film of the entire film which involved the woman screaming her son's name at the top of her voice and I still can't remember what it is like, it was just fucking shocking how bad that film was it was so boring it was boring that was the problem was I, really think that's boring. I, I think that's why I disliked it I just wasn't interested in it in and the actually, slightest what the things that were happening in the house so if I was a home invader I don't think I'd be purposefully doing things to let the family know that I was there and that's the impression that I got, like the things that were happening, like his glasses were being moved or his cereal bowl was moved from like beside his bed to the sitting room. And he was like, oh, my God, who moved my cereal bowl? But like if I was a home invader, I don't think I'd be doing that sort of stuff. I don't know. I guess it depends what kind of a creep you are, though, doesn't it, really? That might, that might be what Well, then that was never off. explained. No, I it know. It was never explained what kind of a person he was. Like, did, was he obsessed with the mum? Was it the boy? Was it like... And then it was got really gratuitously violent for like five minutes for yeah. no reason. Gore kind of slasher violence where he breaks every one of her fingers. Yeah, and that it, was pretty grim. But it was grim, but why? Mm. There was no explanation as to who this man was or why he was doing it. And then the film, unfortunately, left off with the impression that he was going to another open house to do the same thing. And genuinely, like genuinely, Netflix, Mr. Netflix or Mrs. Netflix, if you are listening, don't but take that film off. Because it's awful. It's really, really bad. And it must have had a relatively <coughs> a relatively um, big budget because Clay from 13 Reasons Why was in it. And yeah, but I think he might be one of those people that Netflix owns. Oh, do you think they created him in a lab? Yeah, maybe. And, you know, he's not a very good actor. I'm sorry, but no, he, he really poor. isn't. He was poor. He was poor um, the thing that I think the film was trying to get you to feel sorry for him as well. And I just really didn't feel sorry for him either. Oh, at one point I was like, I hope these two fucking die. Because I'm so bored of their lives, and then they come home at one point, and they got they get a yeah, phone no call. No, they either. get they get a phone call from the person who owns the house, going, "Somebody's broken into the house. You need to get there." And then they get to the house, and the table is set up for three places for dinner, and there's Christmas music playing, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is really creepy." But that's it. It's done. They, yeah. they never they never revisited. I don't know. It was there was probably just... those pesky kids was what the policeman said yeah those pesky kids that we've never seen like yep. that we yep. have had no dealings those, with at those all. kids that live in the middle of a, a forest in the mountain where their nearest neighbor is a trek it's just it was honestly just it was boring it was badly shot it was badly scripted there was and loads, it was pointless yeah because there was loads of there was loads of things where they're supposed to be falling out with each other like it's, it's supposed to be like a family a drama fractuous fractuitous Fractious. 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 Family relationship between the mother and the son. And they have these... I don't know. There's just really... It's just all petty and it's just really badly written. It's, it was a terrible film. It wasn't actually terrible. It was an actual terrible film. Oh, horrific. Um, it's getting close to the breakup for me, I think, to be honest. As in, like, bad films. Jesus Christ. Are you serious? Yeah. It was just pointless. It wasn't even, like, bad funny. Like... If you go onto our Instagram stories, you can see my Instagram story from last night where Dan <laughs> is, like, actually raging about this film and it was it was just a really boring film what would you give it out of five zero i'm gonna give it a one i don't know what was your redeeming feature to it my redeeming feature to it is that i thought the things that happened around the house like the moving of the glasses the moving of the cereal bowl like all of those little things had the making to be a really good supernatural film in that 
they're the type of things that if they happened in your real life you'd be like oh it's just is it just me or am I just being silly or did I put that there so I thought it, it like that was that was literally its only redeeming but feature it didn't, make it didn't make its mind up so I don't think you can give that as a redeeming feature because it wasn't going down the supernatural route but you it? know what? I'm going to give it a one and you no, can't take that I away from me you should be able to oh, well I am <laughs> well I am I'm sorry I'm giving it a one and you're giving it a zero. Yeah, I can't. I can't find any redeeming factor in it at all. I right. actually feel like we need to stop this podcast because I'm concerned about you giving a film a zero. It's it's it was trash. It was a trash film. I don't. I, don't, I can't. I didn't enjoy the story. There was no escapism to it. I was bored. I can be entertained by the most basic of bad films. Like it just didn't hold my attention at all. I was just absolutely bored. The scenery was quite nice. Maybe I'll give it half of the scenery. But you'd be glad to know that this week for our film review, we're actually going to the cinema. So on Sunday. You mean next episode? Yeah, next episode, I mean. Yeah. We're actually going to the cinema to watch a film for our film review. So it'll be current and hopefully not absolute utter shite. Because my God, don't bother watching it. Open House on Netflix, stay away. To be fair, if it's as bad as Open House and we've paid for a ticket, I'm asking for my money back. Okay, fair enough. Our stories, plural. Oh, more than one. Because we're having a listener's episode. And these are some of my favourite episodes because I'm, I honestly, I've said this before, but if you've sent me an email with your story, oh, like I will get to it. Honestly, I'm getting to them, but it's just taking time and we've, we're after getting so many emails. Somebody left us a review where they were like, the stories all sound weirdly similar to the voices of the presenters. So I think that person thinks that we're like writing these stories and pretending that they're like people that are writing in but genuinely these are not my stories they're people that have written in you know the people on this on this episode can vouch for that so our first story this story comes from andrew and it's called caretakers at the baker hotel at the time of this story i was a photojournalist in dallas fort worth at one of the tv stations one of my favorite things to do was to shoot video essays of old buildings i've always been drawn to classical architecture in north texas there's not a lot of it The Baker is an hour and a half west of Fort Worth in the city of Mineral Wells. While covering news stories out that way, I was always fascinated by the white elephant sitting in the small Texas town. It literally looms over the Mineral Wells, 14 stories tall with 450 rooms in a slight V-shape with a 35-foot tower and spooky but beautiful Spanish colonial architecture. The hotel was opened in 1929 to take advantage of the natural health craze during that part of the century and Mineral Wells water with its small amount of lithium drew people from around the world, many guests staying months at a time. All the A-list movie stars of the 1930s through to the 1960s stayed at the Baker. Bonnie and Clyde were said to have had their last steak dinner at the Baker before leaving for their final shootout in Louisiana. Like many old abandoned buildings, there are many tales that surround them, some true and some not. The Baker is no different. I would encourage people to look up more info for themselves. I feel like I've read about this hotel before. Do you know where I There's know a Ghost from? Adventures yep. episode, isn't there? Yep. I've just realised that's what it is. God, why do they ruin everything that we try to do? <laughs> but yeah, I remember reading about the um, the people that would come for the natural, mm. the healing power of the water or whatever. The Baker closed for good in 1972. After contacting the property manager and asking for permission to do the video essay, I went out and was not disappointed. I interviewed some people that worked there in its heyday. The video turned out great. My goal was history and architecture, not to do a ghost story. The ghost story happened a couple of years later. It does seem some old buildings lure people to them. The Baker drew me in. I became good friends with the building manager and the locals that gave tours on the weekends. Before I knew it, I was doing tours every Saturday. 
This lasted for two and a half years. It was a blast taking people around the hotel. Many locals on the tours had their own stories about the hotel and its prime. Most had never been inside because it catered to the elite. I've been from top to the bottom of the hotel and I never saw or heard a thing. If I did, I wouldn't have come back. There were times where I felt like there were spirits around, but they seemed to like me. They knew I was only there to help. I can say there were times on some of the floors not used for the tours that I felt like I was almost walking through a crowd, but nothing ever tried to show itself or to scare me. It would have been quite easy. It's impossible to get out of the hotel quickly from the upper floors. The only exits are an old hand crank elevator and the dangerous cramped fire stairs. During the holiday season and my final few months at the hotel, it was decided that the maintenance man and I would hang Christmas lights on the exterior of the building, from the top to the bottom. It was quite an undertaking for two people, but we did it. I ended up on floors I'd never been before, securing lights to the window frames. It was creepy, but nothing strange happened. I'm sure I muttered a few times into thin air that I was just working and I would be gone soon. The lights went up without a hitch and the hotel looked amazing. For the first time in 30 years, the baker was lit for Christmas. Up to that point, I had not been at the hotel at night. It was different at night. At that time, the grand lobby was still in decent shape. With the darkness and the chandeliers lit, all the dust and water damage faded away. You had the feeling that at any moment, a bell captain would tap you on the shoulder and politely offer to take your bags. I was proud of the Christmas lights and wanted to show them off to a girlfriend I had only been dating for a couple of weeks. I didn't know her that well, but I found out much more about her after the trip to the hotel. That sounded well creepy. Why? found out a lot more about her after two nights <laughs> to the hotel. A night in the hotel, I found out a lot Bound more about her. Bound to go wow, wow. <laughs> now I don't know where I was. Sorry. So on a cold December night, Emily and I arrived at the baker. I'll confess that I was nervous about being in the hotel at night, but as the man, in inverted commas, I put those fears aside. As long as I had a flashlight, I would be okay. The hotel looked amazing as we got into town. You could see the lights from miles away and I was excited to show her the place. It was going to be a good night. My fellow tour guides had turned on the lobby lights for me earlier in the evening to make it easier to navigate. The breaker boxes were in a room off the lobby I did not like. I couldn't tell you why, it just felt wrong. There we were, the baker lobby at night and the whole place to ourselves. I showed Emily around the lobby. It's quite beautiful with heavy Spanish iron chandeliers and eerie gothic plaster faces looking down at you from the pillars. She seemed interested, if not a little distracted. I could understand, but I was staying strong. I figured if I got nervous, she would freak out. After the lobby tour was completed, I ushered her to the original hand crank elevators, art deco doors and all, headed the top floor for a tour of the cloud room with windows that overlooked the city and then onto the tower. We stepped in. I moved to my left to operate the crank. As I looked up, I noticed that she was wedged in the corner diagonal to me as far away as she could get. I thought this was really strange. She was a good six feet away from me. She looked uncomfortable, but I carried on. I have a tendency to overlook the obvious. I left the doors open so I could see which floors we were passing. Each is marked on the concrete wall as you go by. Floor after floor sped by. I slowed to the top floor. My friend stayed in the corner and said nothing. All of the other floors were marked with numbers and white paint. Oddly, the top floor said cloud room in red. Trying to be funny, I said red room. That is funny. Yeah. That is funny. Very good. I found out later that she heard murder. Emily had never seen The Shining. She must have thought I was nuts. There she was, 14 floors up in a dark abandoned hotel with somebody saying murder. Fun. We got out of the elevator and I showed her around the cloud room. 
She stuck very close to me and I could tell at this point she was freaked out but I was determined to show her the tower which is accessed on that floor. I didn't know at the time that getting back into the elevator was the best thing to do. She knew. And I would find that out later. After a short look around the cloud room we headed back to the elevators to a dark hallway that led to the tower access. I thought the tower would be romantic. Remember what I said about missing the obvious? The air was tense at this point, but I had not had anything happen that would turn me back. Honestly, if I had thought that something was up, I would have been out of there. I just thought she was nervous about being in a spooky building. But a man carries on, right? With a flashlight lighting the way, we made the turn for the hallway to the tower. She was behind me. Around that point, I was catching on that something was definitely up. About halfway down the hallway, she literally jumped on my back, damn near knocking me over. Scared the shit out of me. I asked her what was wrong and she only said that she had heard something behind us. Being only steps away from the stairs to the tower I carried on. I know, what is wrong with me? That poor girl. (laughs) But I wanted to get to the top and show her the 35 foot windows that overlook the city and I must admit I wanted to see them at night too. The tower is super creepy even during the day so you can only imagine what it's like at night. The lower portion of the tower houses the old-fashioned original motors for the elevator and a spooky water tank in the middle. A spiral metal staircase leads up to the top of the tower. But we didn't quite make it all the way up. Emily stopped about halfway, only steps from our destination. I could tell she was ready to get the fuck out. There was nothing romantic about any of this. I didn't press on moving forward. We made our way back to the elevator. Again, she pressed herself diagonally from me into the corner of the elevator. It seemed even stranger this time since she was stuck to me during the entire time on the top floor of the tower. We made it back to the lobby no problem. It was a relief to be away from the darkness of the upper floor and have an exit in sight. Back in the light of the lobby I could tell she was ready to get out of there. Both of us laughed a little uncomfortably. She wanted to step outside. We sat on the steps, both relieved to be in the fresh air. I asked her if she was okay. This is what Emily told me, what she saw and what she heard. When we first went into the elevator, she saw three people standing in the middle. Two women and a man dressed in clothes from the 30s or 40s. They were as real to her as you or me. That's why she was pressed into a corner. She told me they were caretakers of the hotel and that they knew me and were curious about why I was in the hotel so late at night. She said they were not there to be harmful, but from her perspective, they must have been frightening. With all this said, we can assume that this girl was seriously empathic. Like I said earlier, I didn't know her that well. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but it fit with what I saw in her actions. She told me that when we were in the hallway to the tower and she jumped to my back, she heard a sound like feet dragging along the concrete floor, like someone was floating in the air with the toes of their shoes Mm. touching the floor. Creepy, right? She said that the caretakers followed us the entire time back onto the elevator and to the lobby. As we sat outside in the cold air with the lobby in sight through the windows, I asked her if they were still there. She looked over her shoulder and she said they were gone. I've got to tell you that my hair was standing up all the way back to town. We stopped dating soon after our little tour to Mineral Wells. I don't think the ghost had anything to do with it. It was probably the red rum comment. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) So that was story number one. What are your thoughts? It's a bit creepy. Imagine being on a date with him. Andrew, I'm really sorry, but imagine being that poor girl. Yeah. Like, literally being like, oh my God, I, I'd like to not go any further. And he's like, no, no, you have to see the tower. And she's like, but the, the, those people, they're following us. <laughs> and it's making me feel uncomfortable. 
That's a man that's clearly really obsessed with his architecture. You have to see this. You have to see this room. You have to see this view. You're not thinking about everything else that's going on. But there is that, you know, when you're like on a date with somebody, which obviously clearly neither of us have been on a date for a very long time. But when you're on a date with somebody and you're just an absolute moron. I'm just an absolute moron anyway. I mean, you are in general. Yeah. I was really scared up until she was like, oh, they don't mean you any harm. And I was like, well, can't see him. But it's interesting that they're caretakers of the hotel. Like, what yeah. was there? What? What in? If they it's passed been like over, spiritual caretakers as opposed to like proper caretakers. Yeah, that's what I don't think they're like like janitors. Yeah, I think they're actual people. But what is it? If you pass over into the next life, what would what would bring you back to a hotel that you have to look after until Maybe the end of time? Your favoritist memory. Favoritist memory. <laughs> yeah, I know favoritist is not a word, is it? I don't think it your is. most favorite memory. <laughs> Maybe that's, or a defining moment in your life happened there and that's why you go back and sort it out and protect it. And protect the memory of that Do you know place. what I really liked about that story? What? Was you'd only probably have to change about 20 words in that to change it from a horror story to like a, a romance novel. Well, you'd probably have to take out the whole bit about the people in 1930s. <laughs> yeah, but that's right at the end. Like all the way through the story, there was only like a few little twinges you'd have to make. I was secretly hoping when I first read this that it, there would be no ghosts at all. It was just like <laughs> I went on this kick-ass date and I was really brave. <laughs> and now we're married. Oh, But I do love the fact that you said red rum. Yeah. In the elevator. What an absolute moron. See, when I've seen The Shining, but it's not my... I always think of the racehorse. Like, I always think of the Simpsons episode. Oh, uh, yeah. No beer and no TV make Homer <laughs> something, something. Go crazy. Better. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, The Shining doesn't really freak me out because because of that. But what a great story, though. Yeah, really good story. And re- really well written. Like, I've not changed any of that. It made a lot of sense, actually, when uh, when it sort of explained it. I was going to say the punchline, but that's not what you... You don't have a punchline in the story, yeah. To be fair, if I was him in that elevator and she's like wedged into a corner, I'd be like, oh my God, is this date really that bad? I'd be doing that subtle. Yeah. Do I smell awful? Oh, God. I forgot deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Second story. Okay. Are you ready? I'm not now. I'm a little bit on edge. I didn't like the bit where she heard toes dragon. No, because you don't like that unnatural movement stuff, do you? No, I really don't. That, that... No, just no, I didn't like that bit. I just like the fact that he went, He said, one of his comments was, uh, the tower is really scary and creepy during the day, let alone so you can imagine what it is at night. Yet he still wanted to take her upstairs. <laughs> I'm desperate to know about like what happened on their next date. Because he said they stopped dating soon afterwards, but they clearly went on another date. Yeah. Because I'd be just looking at her going, can you see things? Can you, can you see my aura? What's going on? I see dead people. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, oh God, it's Haley Joel Osmond. <laughs> Story number two comes from Anna. Hello, my name is Anna and I've binged your podcast and I love it. It's scary, but funny. Well, we don't actually try to be funny, to be to be really frank. Oh, I've scripted all my parts. Have you? Yeah. You Do you preempt what I'm going to say? You not see that pile of notes down there? Oh yeah, it's, it's enormous. <laughs> I also have a story for you guys. Call it paranormal or call it whatever you wish, but here it is. Let me begin by saying that I was asleep throughout this entire experience. Well, what does that mean? but I'll explain that a little bit more later on. My parents told me this story about myself once I was older. I do not recall any of these events that happened during that time. I was somewhere between eight and 10 years old. According to my parents, I was a sleepwalker. I would wake up at the same time every night. This went on for a few months. Nothing really scary about that. My mom would sleep on the couch in the living room because at that time my dad had just had back surgery, so my mom did not want to hurt him. Our house was set up a little like this. There was one bathroom on one side of the house with a huge bathtub. Then our room attached to it. Me and my younger sister shared a room and then the kitchen. 
the living room where my mom slept, then another bathroom, then my parents' room. As you can see from what I described, a room in my parents' room is on opposite sides of the house. I would have to walk across the whole house and go into my parents' room and stand by the bed and according to my dad, just stare at him. I would stand there for hours and then walk back. Oh, I'm already traumatised by this. It's like, do you know um, in Paranormal Activity? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Jesus myself. Christ. I, I know people always take the piss out of me for saying this, but I would have her drop kicked. Back surgery or not, I'd be like, you are out of here. No, that no, he, has to, he asked someone else to drop kick her down the stairs. Oh, that's how you do it when you've had yeah. back surgery. I would stand there for hours and then walk back. My mom would say that she could hear my footsteps through the kitchen, but I was never alone. She would always hear somebody walking with me, but she was too frightened to look. Whoa. One night, I was still at the foot of the bed. My dad was still healing from surgery and somehow I managed to pull his foot, ripping open one of his many stitches. Now keep in mind I was a small child. My dad was a grown man. How would I have the strength to pull a grown man's foot hard enough to open up stitches? My dad went to the hospital that night to get it restitched. My dad was tired of what was going on so I got a cleanse from a family member that would do the cleansing. Usually, the last step is to get cleansed with an egg. Total waste of an egg if you ask me. When you crack an egg, it's supposed to look clean the regular yolk yellow when my egg was cracked it came out grey and rotten the cleanse did not work since I kept sleepwalking and standing at the head of the bed staring at my dad one night he stayed up waiting for me once I was in the room he stayed quiet for a few minutes and then suddenly he grabbed my arm firmly and I collapsed he walked me back to my bed and started cursing at me I apparently took a deep breath smiled at him and went straight to sleep the sleepwalking stopped. Years later, I had a dream of a little girl that drowned in the bathtub next to our room. And I never sleptwalked again. Oh! There's so much of that that's explainable, right? None of it is explainable. But, if you were that mother and you were hearing your child sleepwalking every night and you knew there was nobody else in the house, like I'm mm. assuming this mum didn't go and check. She absolutely knew there was nobody else in the house. But you hear other footsteps with your child sleepwalking absolutely not Mm -mm. that child is haunted i'm sorry anna you were haunted i would have booted you down those stairs there would have been no way that i would have been okay with waking up with her staring at you well every night essentially the dad did the parental guidance version of that didn't didn't he yeah he did he grabbed her hard rather than kicking her down the stairs yeah grabbed her and put her into the bed i want to know what impact the cursing had on the spirit and how creepy is that that she just like took a breath, smiled at him and went to sleep? And went to sleep. I really want to know what this cleansing ritual was as well. With an egg. With an egg, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that when I was cleansed. Did you not? No, this what? didn't give me an egg. What did you get? I got that big joint. Oh, you joint. got sage. It wasn't a big joint, it was sage. <laughs> and the oil as well. What oil? She put some oil on me, did she? She wiped oil on me. She did like a cross on oil of oil. I can't eat these on there, can I? I don't remember that. I was there and I don't remember that. Yeah, you're too busy laughing. I, I did do a lot of laughing. <laughs> I didn't take the whole thing very seriously. I didn't seriously. get an egg, so I don't know if I've actually been cleansed. I might. You might still might be haunted. Should I go and crack some eggs now? No, don't waste them. Okay. I agree with her. It is a waste of an egg. But I, isn't I it hate mad? that story. It's actually really creepy. Isn't it mad that the egg came out rotten? Yeah. And I can picture the little, like... The little smile on her face. Maniacal Can smile. you stop doing it, please? <laughs> Nobody else can see you. Only me. <laughs> is it working? Yeah, it's freaking me out Good. a little bit. Good. I'll stop there in that case. What would you do, right, if you were in that situation and you woke up in the night and I was just stood at the side of the bed staring at you? I would hide under the duvet until the morning. Or if Bims was just stood at the side of the bed staring at you. 
I'd go and feed her because that's probably what she wants to do. Yeah, she'd probably be like, please feed me, I'm really hungry. Um, I would hide under the duvet and then in the morning I'd wake up and I'd leave forever. Oh, would you? Yes. That's what it takes. Yeah, that's all you've that's got to all do. That's all I need to do. Not, I've been trying all these sleep. different ways. <laughs> now, that's a little bit traumatising, isn't it? Mm, Those like poor parents. Uncomfortable. I'd be well annoyed if... I want to know the exact order of the swear words that, or the cursing that the dad said to the girl. Do you think it's an actual curse? You mother... Or if it's like... <laughs> if it was like a curse where it's like, I hope that your ears fall off. So that kind of a curse. I don't know whether he cursed his own daughter. Well, I don't know. I'd be really annoyed. That's a bit counterproductive, isn't it? You're trying to. Sort yeah, but out. if she was, <laughs> if I was waking up every night and she was stood at my bed and she ripped open my stitches, I'd be really annoyed. All right, and I probably would curse her. I'm going to put that out there. Wow. Yeah, I'm that kind. I'd be that kind of parent. Wow. Are you ready for story number three? No, I'm not anymore. Now I'm really. I just can we just stop now? This story. Okay. Comes from Chris. Your and Chris. you'll be delighted to know that it's about Ouija boards. Dan's made a face where he's made that face where he's like, I really don't know why we do this and I don't want to do this. And he's already traumatized. You ready? No, not now. Why, Chris? Why? Hey, I just listened to your episode on Ouija boards and I wanted to share my experience. I've never told anyone other than the people involved and my immediate family. So bear with me while I try to get it to all make sense. Okay, Chris, if if you haven't told anybody else, don't need to share with us. It's fine. I'm good. No, you do, Chris. I'm I'm happy that you're sharing with us. Thank you for sharing with us. To get there, I need to go through a little family history and the house that I lived in as a kid. First off, my great-grandmother was a medium and used a Ouija board to contact spirits. I never knew her, but my dad said she used the board so much that she would wear the felt off the feet of the planchette. I have been told, and I'm not sure how valid this is, but in my case it's true that the ability is a generational thing, meaning it passes down in the family. My dad used one often when I was a kid. I believe the board he had was was my great-grandmother's, probably making it one of the first ever produced. Moving on to the house. I grew up in Southern California, pretty close to the beaches right outside LA. When I was around 10, we moved from a small house to a little bigger place about two miles away. My dad says looking back at it, he thinks my mom was possessed. He wasn't joking. They had no plans on moving, but for some reason she went to look at it and the next thing he knew, we were moving. That's pretty outside her character. She usually gets everyone involved when she makes even the smallest decisions. We'd only lived there a short while when we started noticing that when you walked around the house you would hear creaking in the attic space above you. It sounded like footsteps. You walked and it walked. You stopped and a second later it would stop too. My dad thought it was loose joists in the attic so he went up there and walked around. He's an auto mechanic at the time and he weighed around 230 pounds. And there was no noise at all. In fact, while he was up there, the creaking stopped. But as soon as he came down, it started back up again. Shortly after that, my dad said he was out in the garage one night. God, what if they were walking on the ceiling? Oh. What do you mean? Well, if you're in the, if someone's walking in the attic and it's not making any noise, but when you but you're hearing a sound that's coming above, <gasps> if they're upside some... down walking yeah. on the ceiling, shut <sighs> up. <sighs> Shortly after that, my dad said he was out in the garage one night. Our garage had a plug in the ceiling with the overhead lights plugged into it. He was working on a car and one of the lights went out. He looked up at the plug just in time to watch every plug pull out of the receptacle one at a time. He's the ultimate man's man, but he was done working for the night after that. So this is when the Ouija starts. Jesus Christ, this is only the start of it. I'd be, I'd be done full stop, not about the night. I'd be like, right... Never going in the garage again. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, can we just talk about the fact this is only the start of the story? Yeah. And the plugs were in the ceiling. Fucking things walking on the ceiling. 
Oh, shut the front door. Oh, mm. that's making me feel funny. Right, you ready? Yeah. So this is where the Ouija starts. Apparently, he used the board to contact whatever was in our house. The story he got was that it was a kid who had died on our property before the house was built. The spirit was that of a little boy. The boy thought that my parents were his parents and didn't know who my brother or I were and wanted us gone. This house, if I were to guess, was built in the 70s and this was the early 90s, so it really wasn't that old, which would lead me to believe that the boy was attached to the property and not the house itself. I had three weird situations while we lived there. Two while I was alone, one with my mom. The first, I was lying in the top bunk of our bunk beds looking at the ceiling. My brother and I had gotten two balloons earlier in the day and they were floating next to each other on the opposite side of the room. Slowly, the balloons started to move. One doing large clockwise circles near the perimeter of the room, just short of going over the bed. The other doing counterclockwise circles of a much smaller diameter near the middle of the room. I tried to make sense of this, but even at almost 40, no explanation makes sense. The second was when my dad was under the house doing some type of repairs. I went in the house by myself to get a drink in the kitchen. I was walking back to the living room when I saw an arm reach around the corner and uh. flip off the whole light. <laughs> it actually manipulated the switch and shut off the light. The arm appeared to be a man's about that height and size. I ran out the front door and back under the house. I'd never come out from under the house again. I'd live there. My dad was still there. Had been there. We were the only two people in the house at the time. Christ, Christ, Christ. While my dad was under the house, he found a pair of child's glasses. The old, round Harry Potter style. He's not a jokester, so I knew he wasn't putting me on and I hadn't told him about my experience in the living room. The third and most frightening, Jesus Christ. Most frightening still yet to go. Can we just stop now? I didn't even like the last one that much. I was in bed again and my mom was in her room across the hall. I heard what I believed to be a train start driving around our house close enough to be driving through our yard. It went on for nearly a minute, picking up speed and then slamming into something so hard that it shook our house. The closest train tracks were probably a good couple of miles from our house and this sounded like it was literally right outside the front door. My mom actually called the local fire department to see if there had been a train wreck which of course there hadn't. The last incident happened to my mom. She was lying in bed one morning and felt someone sit down on the bed next to her. She felt someone rubbing her back and assumed it was my dad. Slowly the hands moved up, went round her neck and started to choke her. She sprang up and everything stopped but there was a mark on the blanket where someone had been sitting. My dad was at work at the time my brother and I were sleeping. Shortly after that our house was broken into while we were on vacation. That was the last straw. We were out about a month later. We were there for less than a year in total. Fast forward about nine years. I joined the military and lived in Alaska. I had a bunch of friends and we did a bit of drinking and somehow got on the subject of the Ouija board. I told my buddy about my family history with the game and we thought it'd be cool to give it a try. Mm, Let's pause there for a second. Chris, did you learn nothing from this experience? No good can come of a Ouija board. I've kind of even forgotten what the Ouija board had to do with the story. Because his grandmother, his great-grandmother used to use it all the time. Yeah. And his dad used it to contact whatever was in the house. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I remember now. I got so sidetracked. I don't even believe in the Ouija board and I'm already like, absolutely not, Chris. Just don't do it. Don't, don't do it. One weekend, a friend decided to pick up a board and give it a try at a party. My girlfriend, my wife now, 
was out of town. Hey, congratulations. And I was watching her apartment, so we decided to try it there. It all seemed pretty innocent, asking stupid questions, accusing each other of moving the planchette. Then I asked the spirit guide to show me it was there. Instantly, there was a cold spot directly in front of me. You could feel about a one foot diameter spot that was hovering in front of me that was ice cold. This was verified by others in the party. In addition, candle we had lit around the room would flicker in a direction as if they were being blown on or completely blown out. This was done on command. This was winter time in Alaska. No windows were open and the heating was oil heaters at floor level, so there was no air movement in the apartment. We all left the next morning and I didn't think anything of it until I went back over a couple of days later. Every window in her apartment was open. There were the old crank styles so a handle had to be turned to crank the window open. And as I said, it was the middle of winter. The average temperature was, was around minus 30 degrees, so no way would I have left the windows open. I chalked this up to just weird, closed everything up and then forgot about it. A few weeks later, my friend wanted to use the board again, but after what happened at my girlfriend's house, I suggested using his place. We did, and we made contact. Nothing weird happened outside of talking to dead people. The weird thing was late that night as I was trying to crack a window open in my friend's room. But no matter how hard I pushed, the window wouldn't go up. I thought maybe it was just stuck and I just gave up. We all passed out in the early morning and I think I was the first to wake up in the afternoon sometime. I got up, went into the kitchen where every drawer and cupboard was wide open. I woke up my friend and asked him about it and he had no idea. Only three of us had stayed the night and none of us had done it. We closed everything up and I went right into the main room and tried the window again, which opened right up instantly. Over the next few weeks, the activity in my friend's house increased. Cold spots, stuck windows, everything opening in the house. It got to the point where he had me come over and check it out for myself. The apartment felt wrong, like your mood completely changed as soon as you walked in. The closet where he'd kept the game was ice cold, like the rest of the apartment was around 70 degrees Fahrenheit but you could see your breath in that small closet. Needless to say, we were way in over our heads. My friend was frantic, scared out of his mind. Remember, we were all in the military, so acting like that is pretty outside our normal. I felt horrible. I was probably the door whatever was in the house needed to cross over. I had another friend at work. He was a deacon at his church and pretty open to this kind of thing. In an effort to help, I told him what we did and what was happening at my friend's apartment. He said he might be able to come and help and he agreed to check it out. He came over that day after work and instantly said he felt it. He went to the closet and the room was even colder than normal. He told us that the closet is where the door was. He started to preach in tongues and run from room to room. I swear I could hear and feel him chasing something through the apartment. He yelled at me to open the back door and he chased whatever it was out the back. As soon as he closed the door, I swear on everything that I smelled flowers. It was extremely strong and all three of us smelt at the same time. He instructed me to bring the board outside and burn it. I soaked it in lighter fluid and attempted, but it would not burn no matter what I did. We decided to break it into as many pieces as possible and toss it in the dumpster instead. My friend blessed the house but warned that we needed to move as soon as possible because when the demon came back, it would be seven times stronger. That was the last time I played with a Ouija board. It is not a toy and should not be treated as such. We opened the door that I had no idea how to shut. My buddy moved less than a month later and we pretty much quit hanging out after that. I've seen and felt things since then, but nothing like that. I lost contact with my friend probably 15 years ago and I've no idea how things went with him after the cleansing. Sorry this is so long, but it was a series of events over half a lifetime. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions as best I can. 
You are the first people outside of my very immediate family and a couple of friends that I have told. I completely believe there are other things out there, but I firmly believe there are demons, not family members and not friends and should never be played with. What do you think? I'm terrified. But do you know the thing I'm most terrified of? What? The fact that someone can live anywhere that gets to minus 30 degrees is cold. <laughs> Gross. Dan is like allergic to the cold. He hates Whoa. it so much. Yeah. No, that story is terrifying. I pictured their house in California looking like the one from Lost Boys. It sort of added to this. I'm sure it didn't look anything like that, but it's kind of added to the scariness for me. But the hand. Oh. That is mm. That for me is the worst thing mm. about that story. Like, I'm just picturing it if I was like, coming downstairs or whatever and a hand came around the corner. What if it was a paw, a tiny paw? A tiny paw came around the corner. I'd be like, Bim, how are you so tall? And Bim was on stilts. <laughs> I went a bit faster. But honestly, like, I know I always say, you know, I don't get scared easily and whatever and nothing would really worry me. That, I would shit myself. Yeah, but well, I think it's scary for two reasons. Like, firstly, it's scary because like we're sitting here listening to a story and it's supposed to be scary. And it's par- I'm thinking paranormal. But if you're in a situation and it's night time and you see a hand come around and turn the lights off, you're not thinking paranormal. You're thinking there's someone in someone my house. Someone in my fucking house. Yeah. And we're going back to home invasions. And that would have made a better movie, Netflix, just saying. Maybe Netflix, you get in touch if you're with listening. Chris. Yeah, maybe Chris should reshoot sell his the story. entire film again. <laughs> what, with Chris? Yeah, with Chris. At the centre of it. Yeah. And it actually be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's a horrible, horrible thing. I'm, I'm with Chris anyway. I know you don't believe in him, but I'm just like, don't, don't be, don't be, don't be dabbling with that. No, but also I liked the beginning of the story where his great grandmother would use the Ouija board, and that he believes that she had a gift, and it was passed down from generation mm. to generation. And her mum was like called to buy the house. Like she was called by the house. That's yeah. a weird way to think of it, isn't it? That all of a sudden they just moved to this house. I don't want to know more about the plot and what happened on that land. It was a, it's a really physical story. Like, there's lots of really physical... You know yeah. the way people are like, oh, I heard footsteps, mm. or I heard this, or I heard that, or whatever. This is actually seeing things that happened around the house. And that train thing, man. What the yeah, fuck was that? Yeah, weird. weird, 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 weird. Really weird. By, like... So, we've got things... Definitely, there's the, there's, there's definitely things crawling on the ceiling in that house. 100%. Hey. Um, yeah. There's a little boy that wants to kill all the other kids. And there's a man that can turn lights off. So, there's loads of stuff going on there that's really weird. Whether there's a little boy at all is questionable. Because at the end, you know, yeah. he said, like, you think you, you know might what be talking... pretends to be children, don't you? That's a real Zach Bagans thing to say, that demons pretend to be children. I mean, yeah. I don't actually believe that they Got do. And dressed in black t-shirt. <laughs> Channeling Zach. Are you trying to be him? And you've got quite similar glasses as well, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. But... You haven't seen my latest tattoo yet, either on the bottom of my back. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think it's, it is, you know, what people... People use the Ouija board to try and contact their dead relatives or whatever. And if it is real... Like, if, if the Ouija board is a real thing and, you know, demons are a real thing, then what better way to be coming across into our world? You're inviting them in. And they're described. I'm pretty sure they're described. Don't take this as fact because I haven't actually checked. But I'm pretty sure that, that demons are described as tricksters in the Bible. Yeah. It would make sense then, wouldn't it? To trick. Because the Ouija board is all about... If it was, if it was run by, if it's run, if it's a cartel run by demons, <laughs> demon cartel, <laughs> it makes sense to trick people into thinking that it's an innocent game to, to a parlor game, an innocent parlor game, but actually it's not. It's got it's much more deeper and darker than that. It'd make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, that story was fucking traumatizing. Yeah, horrible. Never using that. Just, 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 Chris, just, uh, just forget about it. Don't, don't go back down that path again. I don't know if I am. Um... But imagine living somewhere that gets as cold as minus thirty, though. See, or... I am. Um... I probably would 
play a Ouija board if someone brought it into the house. Okay, I so don't, any I don't of our friends it. that listen to this uh, podcast, please don't bring, just don't bring one to, to my house. Or do. No, don't. Please don't. I'm begging you. No, I couldn't bring one into the house anyway after your dad getting so annoyed at me for even thinking about bringing it into the house. So Thanks, yeah. Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. So thank you so much for your patience with us this week. And thank you to our lovely listeners for sending in stories. There's plenty more where that came from. They are all sitting in my emails, so I will get around to them. Probably our 30th episode, we'll do another listener stories episode. We've got two new reviews. Ooh, yeah. Review number one comes from Heather A13. I just started listening to your podcast the other day and I'm already caught up. I love the humour and the stories you choose. I enjoy paranormal stories and many of the ones you've chosen I've never heard of and have given me goosebumps. I love it and I can't wait to hear more of your episodes. See, that was something that I said from the beginning that I wanted to try and do was to keep away from, I'm pointing at you, was to keep away from the mainstream because there's so many episodes. It's really hard because there's but so many... But sometimes we have to do some of There's them. so many paranormal podcasts. Yeah. And if somebody says to me, like when people are like, can you do the Enfield Haunting? Absolutely. If you that's what you want to hear, let us know. But otherwise, I try and kind of do stuff that's a little bit away from what all the other paranormal podcasts do. And which is why I love doing listener episodes as well, because that is unique to us if yeah. you've sent in your story. And our second review comes from Bamberos. Bamberos. Highly quality, highly quality, high quality paranormal stories and paranormal culture commentary with an English accent to boot. Love yeah. the overall down to earth approach to the paranormal ideal for Sunday lazy listening. Was that a, was that an English accent over the Irish accent? This yeah. Time? Oh, at last. Are you so happy with yourself? Yep. Dan's doing a dance because somebody's finally mentioned his accent. People talk about your accent all the time. Yeah, but like, for I thought it was Irish. That's true. Maybe this person thinks I'm English. Ah, uh, yeah. Hey. Hey. Hey, I'm definitely Ooh. not. So if you enjoyed this week's episode, there will be another one on Sunday. Please go and leave us a review on iTunes. We're nearly at 100 written reviews, which is quite a nice little place to be. Come and like us on Instagram. We are at Real Life Ghost Stories on Instagram. And come and tweet us on Twitter. We are... At Real Ghost Pod. On Twitter, we are also on Facebook. Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast on Facebook. Give us a like and join our super secret, super, super secret, secret society group. Super secret society group, okay. which I am loving at the moment. Like I wasn't really online last week and every time I went on, somebody had posted like a meme or a story that was absolutely hilarious. So if you are into some lighthearted paranormal fun, come and join us over there because there's a great community of people who just want to talk about things that are paranormal in a lighthearted way. Which you is really, really nice. need to breathe. That was a lot of words without a breath. I know, I did well, didn't I? was I? waiting for you to keel over. Waiting for you to just pass out. <laughs> and finally, if you want extra content, you can donate to our Patreon page. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. And for $5 a month, you get four extra episodes monthly. And you will get a 50p. You get 50p movie club episodes hopefully, eventually. Hopefully. They're done. We have recorded three, which I'm just, I'm just waiting. I did say I wouldn't say anything to our listeners. But I've kind of done it. You've said it now. Whoops. There's no going back now. I love how you hit behind the popcorn. <laughs> and also, if you are interested in donating to our Patreon, we are currently trying to get money together using Patreon to go to a haunted location. So which, for that reason, nobody donate to our Patreon. Which I good. have already chosen and we are ready to go. And I'm going to contact them during the week and say, hey, we do a podcast. Can we come and speak to you? Which is very exciting. It's really like I am. I am fine. If you need to keep that hard-earned cash for something else, it's absolutely fine with me. We've got our <laughs> pop guards, you know. And on that note, we shall see you next week. See ya.